following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. We are uh, we're so glad you're here tonight. This is the day that when it came 2,000 years ago, took the world by surprise. Even the Jewish culture, who was waiting for a Messiah for thousands of years, took them by surprise too. They knew the kingdom of God was coming, but they didn't know how it was coming. They didn't know when it was coming. They didn't know what it would look like. And Jesus said, it's going to look like this. I came as the lamb to take away the sins of the world. And they didn't know that. They thought maybe the Messiah would let the Jewish nation rule. And Jesus said, your problem isn't that you're not ruling. Your problem is that your sin is weighing you down. And I see it and I love you and I'm coming to liberate you. And so Jesus, when he was first introduced on the very scene, he came as the lamb who was going to take away the sins of the world. That was his first public announcement of who Jesus was. Absolutely amazing. When he came, if you're like me, the first time I looked at the cross as a young kid and saw Jesus on a cross, it kind of freaked me out, to be honest with you. Anybody get a little freaked out? Yeah. I'd look up, I'd be sad. I was sad about the cross, and I, was, I felt a little guilt and shame. I saw what Jesus was going through, and it, it just hurt me. It hurt me. But I realized later on that it was his mission all along. How many of you know his plan all along was that cross? He was born with a mission in mind, and his mission was that cross. And he wasn't there by accident, and he wasn't there by just bad decisions or anything else. He actually said in John 1, 29, he said, um, no, excuse me, John 10, 17, he says, look, guys, just so you understand what's going to come, he goes, I want you to know, because I don't want you to freak out about it, but I have the authority to lay my life down and actually pick it up again. Think about this. I have the authority to lay my own life down and pick it up again. Nobody in history has dared make a claim like that. Not Buddha, Gandhi, Krishna, Muhammad. Nobody would make a statement like that. But how many of you know that Jesus is the author of life and he has authority over life and death? Absolutely amazing. The authority to lay it down and the authority to pick it up again. We are going to continue in this experience, if you will, of Good Friday, the early Good Friday. And what Jesus would have done historically on this Good Friday, the day before, would have been the Last Supper. And so that we can really walk with the disciples in the journey of Jesus as he went to the cross and fully get the magnitude of what he went through, we're going to have communion right now. If the ushers would come forward and pass out the elements and Christy is going to come up and minister communion. You know, Jesus went from that, uh, from that dinner. It was a Passover meal. Ironically, our calendar, uh, the Roman calendar that we go by, uh, the solar calendar, doesn't always line up with the Jewish calendar. Uh, but this year it does. If you have Jewish friends and family, maybe you have a Jewish background yourself, Um, The Jewish people are celebrating Passover this week. And the reality is Jesus was celebrating Passover as well. Jesus is Jewish. How many of you guys know Jesus is Jewish? Um, And so um, he was celebrating Passover, and that's what the Last Supper was. 
And he got up and he changed some things like, hey, I know what you're thinking, but this represents the new covenant. And this is going to be me poured out for you to change your world, to change your future. But at that meal, he was betrayed by by a very close friend, somebody he knew very well, he traveled with for three years. After their meal, they went over to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is not very far at all from where they were staying. And Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew he came with the mission. The mission was the cross. He knew it's going to happen. And he knew he was going to get rested that very night. He went over to that garden and he sat praying with the Father. And he said, Lord, if there's any other way, Father, knowing all the pain and torment that he's about to endure, if there's any other way, let it be. But if not, let your will be done. And there was no other way. The only way to atone for the sins of the world is through what Jesus was about to be doing. And yet, as important as this moment was, he told the apostles, guys, could you please stay awake? Stay awake and pray. Because if you have any idea of what's about to happen right now, you're going to want to be wide awake for this. And yet, the disciples fall into a deep sleep. And Jesus comes back and says, guys, please, please, Wake up, this is not a time to be sleeping. I'm asking you, be awake and pray. Okay, Jesus, we got you, Jesus, we got you. They're sleeping again. He comes back three times saying, guys, if you had any idea what time it is, please be awake, be prayerful, and be watchful. And what I think of that experience is, honestly, how many times have we fallen asleep on Jesus, Right? right? He's saying, be prayerful and watchful. You're living in a time, you're living in a realm, you're living in a, in, a, in, a, in a season where it's not time to be sleeping, and yet we too can fall asleep on Jesus. So when I read this story, I can relate to these guys. I hope you guys can too. I can relate to the story because they walked the way we did, and they experienced what we did, and sometimes they fell forward, and sometimes they fell backwards, but they'd keep getting up and keep walking with Jesus. So at this time, he gets betrayed by a close friend. They come into the garden, and Jesus is arrested. And then he goes through a series of trials. And I'm going to read from Luke chapter 23. You don't have to open your Bible. We'll have it for the screen for you up here. He goes through these trials. It's a series of trials. First, it's the religious leaders. But they called a late-night meeting to condemn Jesus, which wasn't even the rules. The rules, you, you, you couldn't condemn somebody to death. You had to wait, give it time, let everybody go home and sleep about it, pray about it, come back at a later time and really decide with a full constituency of leaders. Instead, they got a handful together that wanted Jesus gone. And in the middle of the night, they had a mock trial, and they said, he needs to go. And the reason they blamed Jesus for what they blamed him for, they blamed him for blasphemy. Because Jesus said things like, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Jesus is not just a prophet, not just a Messiah. He's all that, but he's so much more. He's God in flesh. He's Emmanuel. He's the Son of God. God the Father and God the Son. He's walking on earth. And they said, that's it. We can't hear anymore. So they condemn him, but they turn him over to the Romans. And so we see that he goes to Pilate, who is the governor of Jerusalem. And, and Pilate's like, there's nothing wrong with this guy. And he sends him off to, to Herod, who is the, pretty much the governor from where Jesus lived up, up north. And they kind of do a little thing, and they sends him back to, to Pilate. And Pilate goes, guys, there's nothing wrong with this guy. I've interviewed him. 
I've asked him the tough questions. He hasn't done anything wrong. And so the passage goes like this in Luke 23, verse 20. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And for the third time, he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But the loud, with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He said he's not guilty of any crime. You know, the amazing thing about Jesus, how many of you know that he was tempted in every way that we are? You might think you go through stuff that Jesus doesn't understand. The Bible says he was tempted in every way you were and I were. That's kind of hard to believe. You might think you've had different temptations than Jesus. And Jesus is pretty much saying, I get you. I get you. I understand. I know you. I get you. I see you. I've been tempted in every way you have, Jesus would say. And yet through his temptation, he did not sin. And yet they're shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate goes to wash his hands. How many of you know you can't wash sin away? Sin doesn't wash away. People have been trying stuff for years to get rid of their sin. Adam and Eve try to hide behind a bush. Maybe God won't see us. Maybe he won't know we sin. Maybe we'll, we'll hide out and he won't see. People try all kinds of things. Maybe I'll try to do a couple of good things to outweigh my bad things. It doesn't work that way. He's trying to wash his hands. He's innocent, but he's given the death penalty of crucifixion. And then it moves on in verse 32. And what's amazing about this, for 2,000 years, the followers of Jesus have been tracking this story every Good Friday for 2,000 years as we walk in this experience with Jesus. It says in verse 32, two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, the skull, that means Golgotha. It means Calvary. We're a Calvary chapel. The name Calvary means the place of the skull. It's where Jesus went. It's a hill. You can go there today. You can look at Jeru- outside Jerusalem. And on the side of a hill, you can tell where they were digging stone to quarry the rock. And the, when they quarried it, it kind of caved out these big dents. And when you look at the side of the mountain, sure enough, it looks exactly like a skull staring back at you. That's what the mountain looked like. They took him to a place called the skull and they crucified him along with the criminals, one to his right and the other to his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. And the soldiers came up and mocked him and they offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you and I are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. And we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. 
and the sun had stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two and Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with that, he breathed his last. You might ask, because I have, why did it have to happen this way? I mean, why this way? Couldn't it have been some other kind of way? Couldn't there have been another way to do it? Why did it have to be this way? How many of you know, realize like I, that we don't get to make up the spiritual laws of this universe? We don't get to make them up. We get to follow them, but we don't get to make them up. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. It won't go away. It doesn't go away without the shedding of blood. And that's why through the Old Testament, time and time again, they were doing sacrifice. They'd mess up again and they'd go back and do sacrifice. They'd mess up. They'd keep going back. They'd be forgiven for like a day and they'd mess up again. And just like us, we mess up and and there had to be a sacrifice, but none of the sacrifices were getting it done. None of them were, were good enough. None of them were complete enough. And Jesus says, look, I'm, I'm the lamb of God. I'll actually come and I will do this. Tempted every way you were, but without sin, I, I'm the only qualified one. I'm going to go ahead and do that for you. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. No one else could do it but Jesus. He's like, here, let me get that for you. So Jesus paid the price. And you guys, this is something you got to realize about the cross. You got to know this. He didn't just pay the price up on the hill for couple of folks, two or three people, the apostles. God so loved the whole world, el todo mundo, the whole world, the whole world, all your friends, all your family, everyone you work with, everyone on your block, everybody. He loved the whole world. He gave his only son. And whoever believes in him won't perish but have life. It's those who believe in what he did on that cross. And really what he did, guys, the Bible says this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That means Our stuff, our sin deserves death. And you might go, well, pastor, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as some people. Mine doesn't deserve death. The Bible says all of our sin deserves death. That's just the way it is. And so we got to find a way to get rid of it. And there is no way to get rid of it except for right here at the cross. And for 2,000 years, people have been realizing there's only one place on the planet that you can take your sin and dump it. You can't put it anywhere. You either take it with you through your life and you walk out of this life with a backpack full of sin or you along the journey, two kinds of people in the world, the ones who carry their sin and do nothing with it and the other ones who carry their sin and dump it at the cross of Jesus where he's like, come on, bring it, bring it, bring it. Is that all you got? Bring it. Jesus is like, I know you got more. You just haven't confessed it. Bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. He died for these sins of the world. He took away all. And really what he did is a great exchange because you and I deserve death and Jesus is like, I'll take it for you. It's like you and I would deserve a consequence for our sins and Jesus is like, nope, it's okay. You sit down, I'm gonna get that for you. It's amazing to me. It says in John 19, verse 34, that one of the soldiers, just to make sure, positively, positively, that Jesus was dead. One of the soldiers took a spear and pierced his side, ran it all the way up in there. And it brought a sudden flow of blood and then water. Water. And the reason it bring water, because there's no more blood left to give. 
gave every single drop. And with every drop of blood, millions of sins being wiped out and paid for. Every drop, millions more, more drops, billions more, more drops, billions more. You think of all the sins in the world, past, present, and future, of everyone who's ever lived, it's almost six billion people on the planet now. And with every drop, they're just getting wiped out. Jesus gave every one until there was water. He gave it all. The curtain tore. There's no more separation. The Jewish people could not get really all into God's presence because they were separated. And through what Jesus did, not anymore. You, can, you and I, through this cross, can run right into the presence of a loving God through what Jesus did. It's absolutely amazing. He gave it all. And that's why they call it Good Friday. Because so much happened on this day. So much happened on this day. So when you see the cross, I don't know what you see. I don't know what you think when you see the cross. Because through over history and time, a lot of people see a lot of different things through this cross. To some people, they don't get it. Other people get it. Other people like me, I begin to appreciate it more and more and more. And every year, I have a greater appreciation for the cross of Jesus Christ. I remember a time when I was finished in Bible college and studied all the passages on the cross and wrote papers on the cross. And yet in a worship service one night, it was like, Lord, Father, I want to ask you something. I want to know the mystery of the cross. It's called the mystery of the cross. I know, I know you died for sins there and I know all this happened and you made us restored with the Father, the relationship. I, I, I know that, but there's so much more that happened at the cross. There's so much restoration that happens here. There's so much healing that happens here. There's new beginnings that happen here. It just goes on and on and on. And I'm like, Lord, I want to know the mystery of the cross. I felt the Lord say to me, so clear to me, so clear that I opened my eyes so big, like, wow, I can't believe you spoke so loud. The Lord said, you won't fully know the mystery of the cross until you stand in my presence one day in heaven. Then you're going to fully, fully. But be like me in the meantime. Be a student of the cross where you keep coming back to it and you keep appreciating the cross. I keep coming back to the cross all the time. In fact, I would suggest to all of you tonight, whether you're new to Jesus and your walk with him, your relationship, whether you're checking out God and his kingdom and his love, or whether you're, you know, you, you kind of this time of the year, you get a little more serious about your faith because it's around Easter and it's kind of a good obligation to honor and respect God. I would suggest this to you. We're never done with the cross. I'm never done with the cross. We're never done with the cross. We got to keep coming back to the cross. I find myself coming back all the time. I'm like, Lord, I fall short. I need what happened at this cross. I know it happened 2,000 years ago, but it happens every time I come back to you at this cross. Every time I come back, you have grace for me and you've got mercy for me. Not just back then when I made the decision. Not just 2,000 years ago when it happened. You still have grace and you still have mercy and you still have new beginnings and you still have healing and you still have fresh starts. God has vision and perspective through the cross. The sin that clouds and blocks our vision, God's like, here, let me make it plain to you. So much happens at the cross. This is what we're gonna encourage at this time. If the ushers could come forward to prepare this cross, we're gonna do some business with God tonight. And I want to encourage everyone in the room, uh, we're going to do some business with God and the cross. We're going to make it personal, what he did for us on this cross. 
We're going to put the cross down here on the ground. How many of you know he died for the sins of the world? There were so many things when Jesus was nailed to the cross that he took on. He took on so many things. And yet, the Bible even says for believers that we are to confess our sins to the Lord and he's just to forgive us. And so there's things in our life, guys, I want to encourage you tonight to experience and encounter the cross of Jesus Christ tonight on a deeper way than you've personally ever done it before. Enter an experience with the cross of Jesus in a way you never have. And, and here's just four quick areas. And in your, in your uh, chair in front of you is a pencil and a paper. I want to encourage you to take those out. If somebody around you doesn't have one, pass it down or give them one. But this is important. Tonight is a time we're going to get to nail some things to the cross. And I would encourage you to start. Start with yourself. Maybe you personally haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. You, you, you like him. You appreciate him. You're here tonight because you honor him. But maybe you personally haven't surrendered your life to Jesus on the cross. Maybe you personally haven't, as the Bible says, you have to die if you want to live. And that's what born again is. You die to ourselves and we live in Christ. Maybe you've never even done that. And God's saying, hey, now's the time. Now's the time and this is the place. This is the time and this is the place. If you haven't surrendered your life and gotten off the throne and put him on it, the first thing you want to put on that is put your name. Put me, Lord, me. I need to put me on that cross because I've never done it before. Maybe that's where you need to begin tonight. Holding on to, to things. Search your heart. Reflect right down. Confession's a big part. Another thing is this, guys. Maybe it's a specific thing because what happens at the cross, what he takes away is the wrongs we have done. And God knows we've all fallen short. Everyone on the planet, all have fallen short. Everyone's fallen short. And everyone falls short all the time. We shouldn't hide that. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. That's a fact of life. The fact is, what do you do when you fall short? You gotta come and give it to Jesus. You gotta confess it. And he's just to take it away and replace it with grace and mercy. So whatever you're holding on to, whatever you have in your life that you're like, you know what? That needs to go. That needs to be released. That needs to be confessed to you, Lord. This is private. No one reads these. We don't know who people. You write down. You confess to the Lord who watches. And the Lord knows this stuff anyway. How many of you know he knows everything anyway? He already knows. That's not the issue. He's like, will you be real with me? Because if you're real with me and you're authentic with me, we're going to have an amazing relationship. Relationships don't work when there's no authenticity. And so the Lord's saying, I want you to be more authentic with me. Would you come? Would you confess what I already know? Confess it to me. I'm going to take it away and give you a fresh start of grace and mercy in this area. So maybe it's the wrongs you have done. Maybe this other area, maybe the wrongs done to you. Maybe there's been some wrong done to you in your life that messes with you. And you know what I mean. It messes with you. You go week to week, month to month. You try to find a category for it. You try to not be angry or whatever it is. But you know there's something that's been living on. It's been living on way too long. It's been taking life way too long. It's been taking life away from you way too long. Not only the wrongs done to, that we have done, but the wrongs done to us. Maybe something wrong is done to you and it's time tonight that you need to say, you know what, Jesus? You already died for this. 
Why am I carrying it? It was wrong and it was done for me and it wasn't right and I didn't deserve it, but you died for that. You died for that sin that somebody did against me. I need to give it to you and not carry it anymore. I need to live this place, leave this place liberated and free. Write that down. The wrongs you have done, the wrongs done to you. Here's the last thing I want to say. The cross, guys, it goes two ways. It's vertical and it's horizontal. And the Bible says in Colossians, there's a reason for this, because it restores us to God. It restores us to the Father. We can't be restored to the Father because our sin messes it up. It clouds it up. It muddies the water. But the cross makes us right with the Father. But the cross also goes horizontally because the cross reconciles us to one another. Stuff that we can't work out. Stuff we don't have the capacity to get through it. Stuff that is difficult in life with people and relationships and things get hard and things get rocky and things get tough and and we have hurdles and water under the bridge and stuff. Well, Jesus is like, bring that to me too because that's why the cross goes this way. It goes this way because I am good at reconciling one to another if you come to my cross. So maybe it's a relational breach. Maybe you need an area of a broken relationship where sin or something messed it up and you need to come to the cross of Jesus and you need to give it to God. Anything broken you give to God, God fixes, but you can't hold it. You got to give it to him. You got to take your hands off. It's called consecration. Here, it's yours now, God, and watch what he does. So guys, I want to encourage you to do this. Um, I want to encourage some of you might be serving tonight. And when we're done here, there's two things we're going to do right now. Write these down and you'll be, begin to come forward and be able to nail these to the cross. Those of you who are serving tonight with our hospitality team, if you're in here, feel free to go first because there are some who are going to serve you. We have some great food outside. We're going to hang out together and fellowship a little bit on this powerful night and stay in, in fellowship with Jesus as the community of God. But um, I want to encourage you, if you're here tonight, maybe you go first if you're serving tonight. And then anybody else come forward. If you feel you need to come forward with a family member or a spouse or you want to do things together, whatever that is, but get personal. Write these things down. Leave here free and liberated. Also, we're going to have a prayer team over here on the side. If you need prayer for anything, because when we do this, stuff comes up. There's stuff that comes up because we're being real with God. And God sees through it, and God, the Spirit of God is going to remind you of some stuff tonight. Maybe he already has. Maybe some stuff already came up that the Spirit of God says, I see you, I love you, I know that. Let's bring it to the surface right now. And the Spirit of God is ministering to hearts tonight. And while he does that, you might need some prayer in some areas. After you deal with the cross, please come over, see our prayer team. We'll pray with you. We'll pray through anything. We will war with you in the spirit. We will stand with you. We will encourage you through stuff. That's what we want to do. That's what we love to do. So with no further, further ado, please feel free to come up and do business with God. And Jesus is saying, I see you. I got you. Bring it, bring it, bring it. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.